this has been not only for Dan and his family, but as my husband shared early for our entire Beth Emanuel Mishpacha as we celebrate this important life cycle event. It really is a joy for us to see our children grow and begin to take their place in the community as they come to faith in Yeshua and they take on the responsibilities of being uh, his follower themselves. And so I want to encourage us with a brief message, and then we'll continue to celebrate uh, on the mezzanine with a lunch provided by Wayne and Chris. You know, in the last year of study, the Bar and Bat Mitzvah student meets one-on-one with me uh, as we go through the Parsha, and they begin to learn uh, to chant. And over the years, to each student, I have stressed uh, during this time period that there is a destiny on their lives and that the Parsha that they have been given is really a life scripture. And I truly believe this with all my heart. And I say to them over and over again, you may not really grasp it yet at this point, but as you grow older, I believe Adonai will open your eyes to see uh, more fully uh, how this scripture is to be a part of your life and to give you direction. Even in the Parsha today, as Dan shared, Yosef was given a glimpse of his destiny through the dreams that Adonai uh, gave to him. And I believe that one of the most sought-after answers in the world is to this question, what is my purpose? And that is the title of my message this morning. Uh, The U.S. Librarian of Congress Emeritus Daniel uh, Burstyn observed this. He said, throughout history, the human race has sought answers to the fundamental questions of life. Who are we and why are we here? Well, today I'm going to answer that question because it really is very clear. From Yosef in our Bible reading today to Dan becoming a bar mitzvah to each one of you sitting here today, the answer is very simple. We are people, we as people though tend to complicate things and in our pursuit of careers, hobbies, positions and relationships, we lose our way. What we have seen in the world in the last few weeks demonstrates how far mankind has lost his way. From the attacks in Paris to the shootings this week in California, it is very obvious uh, that man needs something. How can we make sense of it all, and how do we navigate through a world that has changed so drastically over the last 10 to 20 years? Well, the answer is found in knowing your destiny and knowing why you were created and who you were created to be. So first of all, I want to share with you that you were created to reflect the image of God. In Bereshit, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it says, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in the likeness of ourselves, and let them rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the animals, and over all the earth, and over every crawling creature that crawls on the earth. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. For years, this truth has been hit hard by atheists and others who would diminish the authority of the Bible and deny or minimize the existence of God. Yet it does not change the fact that we were created in the likeness of God. I want to assure you that we were not some haphazard evolutionary organism that just came into existence. No, the God of the heavens and the earth, the one true God of Israel, created you and me 
in his image. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, Adonai Eloheinu, to have glory, honor, and power because you created all things. Yes, because of your will, they were created and came into being. You see, it was God's will to create mankind. You exist today because of God. You were created in his image. And as his creation, we have a responsibility to accurately reflect who he is. Adam and Chava, also known as Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, they quickly forgot this as they made choices that alienated them from their creator. As Dan shared, even Yosef in our Parsha today had to learn this truth. In his youth, he was perhaps a bit presumptuous and spoke too quickly about things that should have been kept to himself. But he did grow into a man that accurately reflected his creator, and he stepped into his destiny. And the rest of his story we could read in Bereshit and how he became a great deliverer for the people of Israel. But he had to recognize, first and foremost, as each of us do here today, that we have been created in the image of God. Secondly, you were created to be loved and to love. You know, God did not create you and me because he was lonely. Okay? He had plenty of angels in heaven. Uh, there's God the Father, the Son, and the Ruach, and they were together. And he didn't create us because he was missing something uh, in his life. No, Adonai created mankind. He created you and he created me because he is love. And he created us to experience his love. And in turn, to give his love to one another and to people around us. Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah 31.3 says, From a distance Adonai appeared to me saying, I love you with an everlasting love. This is why in my grace I drew you, I draw you to me. Not one of us can truly love without first experiencing the love of God in our lives. Unfortunately, as I just mentioned, as human beings, we have not done the best job of accurately reflecting Adonai to the people around us. Therefore, many people do not truly understand how deep and wide the love of God is for them. You see, it's God's love that drew you here this morning. Now, I know you may be thinking, no, Rabbi Carol, I'm here because I was invited uh, to come to Dan's Bar Mitzvah. Or maybe you were invited by someone else who met you and invited you to come to a Shabbat service here at Beth Emanuel. Or you could say, no, I normally attend here, or I occasionally come, and I decided to come today. And all of these might be true, but they're all secondary to the real reason why you're here. You are here because the grace of God drew you here so that you could encounter his powerful love. It's a love that does not condemn, yet it executes judgment. It's a love that is not prejudiced, yet it will not be swayed by popular opinion and practices. It is a love that will tell you are, that you are wrong, yet it will extend its arms in forgiveness and acceptance of you. And that is the love that Adonai wants you to experience. That's why you were created, to be loved by him. So what does his love look like? 
Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, the Messiah died for us. And Dan, at the end of his Devar Torah, made his proclamation of faith in Yeshua. And at the end of our time together studying, I said, Dan, I want you to write down, if Yeshua were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And those are the words he wrote down. Because I believe that Yeshua died on the tree of sacrifice, was buried, and rose three days later to forgive the sins of the world. That is God's love, perfect love, demonstrated for you and me. That while we were yet sinners, not looking to him necessarily, he died, gave his life because of his great love for us. It's a love that is demonstrated by actions. And he did the most awesome thing that anyone could do, and that is to lay down his life for us. And the reality is that is something that we desperately needed because of our sins. God knows who you are. He knows who I am. And he loves us in spite of that. Well, you might say, but Rabbi Carol, you don't know the type of person I really am. You don't understand the things I have done. You don't know the thoughts that I have in my head. You don't know the words I have spoken and the actions that I have done. And that is true. I don't know who you are. But God knows who you are. And as I said, in his grace and compassion, he brought you here this morning, yes, to celebrate Dan's bar mitzvah, and it's a great celebration, but the greater purpose is so you could hear these words from him, I love you, and I want a relationship with you. That is why he brought you here today. And God wants you to experience his love. He's not put off by anything about you. Uh, remember, he's your creator, and you were made in his image. And he is here again to extend his love and his mercy and his grace to you. Not only were we created to be loved, to receive his love, but also to give that love out to others. But the only way that we can give true love is that we have experienced his love first. There's an old song that dates me, but, you know, that says, What the world needs now is love Sweet love. I will not start singing it. That's not my uh, talent. But it's a sentiment that's truly true today, again, with everything that we see going on, the violence and things. But it cannot be realized without each one of us knowing and receiving the love of God. You see, I cannot love you purely and truly if I have not accepted the love of God myself. And even though popular newspapers can put in bold print on the front of their paper, God is not the answer. I want to tell you, 100%, God is the answer. Okay? God is the answer. He will always be the answer to the, the problems of this world, and more specifically to any situation you personally may be fe- facing. True love, the love of God, is selfless. It's thinking about others more than about myself. Again, this is not something that I or you can do on our own. And in our story today, Yosef was so focused on the dreams that God had given him when he was a young man that he wasn't thinking of his brothers and his parents or their feelings. He wasn't filtering things through God's love. 
However, when he grew to know God better and to personally experience that love, he was able to give that love not only to his family as he forgave his brothers, but also to a nation of foreigners who had been his captors. All of that was possible because he began to experience God's love. And in that love, he matured. And as he matured, he realized how to to demonstrate that love to others around him. See, no matter what you or I do in life, no matter what position we may hold or what degree we may have obtained, without receiving God's love, we're just not complete. Why? Because you were designed to be loved by God. Everything has a purpose. My pen was made to write while my scissors were made to cut. And no matter how much I want to get those scissors to write for me, they will never, ever write. And I could get very frustrated trying to make those scissors write on the paper because they were made to cut the paper. In the same way, we can be very, very frustrated in life if we do not fulfill our purpose, which is to be loved by Adonai and then to share that love with others. When we are experiencing that, when we are walking in his love, we will be the best in whatever job or position we might have in life, and we will be the best person that God has created us to be. So not only were you created to be loved and to love, but you also were created to center your life around Adonai. Colossians 1.16, For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank, After rank of angels, everything got started in him, meaning God, and finds its purpose in him. You see, the generation today is a generation that is so focused on me. Even young Yosef struggled with this when he thought his dreams were all about him. But they weren't. You see, he was part of God's redemptive plan to save not only the Jewish people, but the Egyptians and many others from the nations around who would travel to Egypt during that seven-year period of famine to receive food. And when Yosef put God at the center of his life, that is when he made a difference in his generation. And it will be the same for you and I. You were created to center your life around God. And now you may say to me, well, Rabbi Carol, my life's going pretty good without God. I have a successful business. I've set goals and I fulfilled them and life is pretty good. Well, I want to tell you that goals are great and it's awesome that you have achieved the goals that you have set in your life. But purpose is a lot different than setting goals. Purpose is a focus And as I said, you were created to focus your life around God. And when you do that, you will have fulfilled your purpose. And for those who have problems, those problems will grow smaller. But the problem is many of us are afraid to focus our life on God. We talked about this in our youth lesson on Wednesday night when we were speaking about living our lives dedicated to Adonai. Uh, As we begin to celebrate Hanukkah this Sunday, uh, we picked up one of the themes in our youth lesson 
because uh, Hanukkah is known as the festival of dedication. And we talked about being dedicated to Adonai in our lives. And sometimes people are afraid uh, that centering their lives on God, uh, which means totally surrendering to him, means that God will make them do something they don't want to do. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, which is a good thing as a rabbi, right? We joke about that because in our family, often someone will say, I want to be honest with you. And we're like, aren't you always honest with me? The reality is, I can tell you that putting your focus on God and surrendering to him will mean you have to give some things up. It's going to happen. You're going to have to give up some things. But I want to tell you what you receive in exchange for what you give up will blow your mind away. It will far surpass anything you think your life could be by hanging on to what you think is so important to you. You see, God is our creator, and he designed us, and he does know what is best for us. And only by centering our lives on him can we experience all that he has for us. Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. God says, for I know what plans I have for you. Plans for well-being, not for bad things, so that you can have hope and a future. That's what God has for each one of us. A good future, good plans for our life. But it involves trust on our part. That we have to surrender and put God at the center of our life, meaning that I have to trust that what he has in store for me as I let go of things is going to be good. And that's what he promises here in Jeremiah. Yeshua himself says, I have come so that they may have life, life in its fullest measure. You see, a life focused on God is a life filled with fullness, treasures, adventures, and true fulfillment. It's not a life without service or pain, but it's a life that is so filled with the goodness and the mercy and the love of God. And nothing, nothing can compare to that. So you were created in God's image You were created to be loved by God and to love others. And you were created to focus your life around God. And that means that some of you today are going to have to let go of things. And we're going to give you opportunity to do that in a few minutes. And the last thing I want to share with you is that you were created to spend eternity in heaven with God. As one author said... This life is preparation for the next. Even if you live a long life up to the potential of 120 years, which my children pray and speak over me all the time, so I'm going to live 120 years, healthy, good years, one day your heart will stop beating and you will cease to exist in this bodily form. However, it's not the end for you. It really is just the beginning of the rest of your life. There are two choices after death, heaven or hell. 
No one was created to spend eternity in hell. However, our choices on this earth determine what will happen when we cease to exist here. That is why learning our purpose and why we were created and stepping into that purpose is a very important decision for us to make because it will prepare us to spend eternity in heaven where we were created to be. One author says, tragically, many people will have to endure eternity without God because they chose to live without him here on earth. You see, when we live in light of eternity, it really does affect every decision we make. It helps us to keep God at the center of our lives, like I just talked about, because we realize that many things that we stress over or put our attention to have no value in light of eternity. And in case you are wondering, is eternity worth changing your life today? Well, 1 Corinthians 2.9, Rob Shaul tells us, No one has seen, no ear has heard, and no one's heart has imagined all the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I'm going to tell you, eternity in heaven is well worth choosing God in this life because the alternative is not a nice place. And you have been brought here today because of God's grace and love, so you can make that choice. Kohelet, the writer of Ecclesiastics, says, God has given human beings an awareness of eternity. In other words, what he's saying is innate to all of us is this deep sense that there is more than just life here on earth. There's more than just living your 70, 80, 90, or if you're blessed, the 120 years. Then what happens? Deep within inside each one of us, we realize there's something beyond this life. And eternity is real, and you need to make a decision now to fulfill your purpose so that you will be able to spend that eternity with God in heaven. And many would say to me, well, Rabbi Carol, if God is love, like you said, and he, I was created to be loved by him, then why would he send me to hell? And the answer is very simple. God's not going to send you to hell. He's given you a choice. Choose him today here on this earth, and you will be able to spend eternity in heaven. You see, the choices we make here in this life determine where we will spend eternity. So what do I do, Rabbi Kerr? Very simple. You're going to surrender your life to God. And as I said earlier, In my message, you are here for this moment. God brought you here because he truly loves you, and he wants you to fulfill the purpose he created you for. So what does that involve? You're going to exchange your ways for his ways. That means you need to let go of your ways. Because our ways, as the prophet says, are like filthy rags in the sight of God, no matter how good we might feel we are. When you weigh that on the balance and God is uh, perfect and uh, so righteous, our, no matter how good, even if we were to, to put all of our good deeds together, they could never measure up to God's perfection. So we're going to exchange our ways for him, his ways. 
and accept his love that was demonstrated by Yeshua's death on the tree of sacrifices Dan shared there at the end of his Devar Torahs. So I want to close with a story to illustrate what God wants you to do today. There is a beggar who lived near a king's palace. And one day he saw a proclamation posted outside the palace gate. The king was giving a great dinner, and anyone dressed in royal garments was welcome. The beggar went on his way, and he looked at the rags he was wearing, and he sighed. But slowly an idea crept into his mind, and he made his way back to the palace. He approached the guard at the, ca- uh, at the gate and said, Sir, may I please speak to the king? Wait here, the guard replied. In a few minutes, he was brought before the king. What do you want, the king asked. Yes, your majesty, I want so much to attend the banquet, but I have no royal robes to wear. Please, sir, if I may be so bold, may I have one of your old garments so that I too may come to this banquet? The beggar was trembling in fear of what the king might do. You have been wise in coming to me, the king said. And he called to his son, the young prince, take this man to your room and array him in some of your clothes. So the prince did as he was told, and soon the beggar was standing before a mirror, clothed in garments that he had never dared to even hope for. You are now eligible to attend the king's banquet tomorrow night, said the prince. But even more important, you will never need any other clothes. These garments will last forever. Well, the beggar dropped to his knees. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, he cried. But as he started to leave, he looked back at his pile of dirty rags on the floor. He hesitated. What if the prince was wrong? What if he would need his old clothes again? And quickly, he gathered them up. The banquet was far greater than he had ever imagined, but he couldn't enjoy himself as he should because he had made a small bundle of his old rags, and it kept falling off his lap. The food was passed quickly, and the beggar missed some of the great delicacies. Time proved that the prince was right. No one came to ask for the royal robes. Still, the poor beggar was doubtful. Clinging on to his old rags as time passed, people seemed to forget the royal robes he was wearing. They only saw the little bundle of filthy rags that he clung to wherever he went. In fact, they even spoke of him as the old man with the rags. Many weeks later, as he lay dying, the king visited him. The beggar saw the sad look on the king's face when he looked at the small bundle of rags by the bed. Suddenly, the beggar remembered the prince's words, and he realized that his bundle of rags had cost him a lifetime of joy. He cried bitterly at his foolishness to hold on to these old rags. You see, the king gave the beggar everything he needed in those new royal robes, but the beggar was not willing to let go of his way of doing things. This led to his destruction, and he missed out on experiencing the fullness of life. And my encouragement to you this morning is don't hold on to your rags. Let go of them and receive the royal robes Adonai is wanting to give you. God is calling you to step into the purpose he created you for, but you must come to God his way. Many of us want to fit God into our way of life. Like the beggar, we say yes I get it, Rabbi Carol. 
I was born to be loved by God and in relationship, but I want to do it my way. So I'm going to bring my rags, my sin with me, and just fit God into my life. But in the end, you will miss out on the fullness of God that he has here for you on earth, and more importantly, spending eternity with him. The scripture tells us that there is a way that seems right to men, but in the end, it leads to destruction. So it's very simple. I encourage you, accept the royal robes this morning. How do I do that, Rabbi Carol? Well, I'm going to lead us in the prayer here in a few seconds. In that prayer, we will let go of our ways. That means our sins, our habits, our selfishness, our, our way of doing things, and we will accept God's way. The atoning work of Yeshua that Dan shared about there in his Devar Torah. And we will make a commitment to center our lives on God so that we will live a fulfilling life here on earth and spend eternity in his presence. Amen? So let's stand to our feet. I'm going to ask you to just join me in this prayer. I'm going to ask everyone to uh, join in this prayer. And as I said, uh, many of you are here because... uh, you were invited for this bar mitzvah or you were invited by other peoples to, to come to this congregation. But most importantly, you're here because God loves you and brought you for this moment. And so as we pray this prayer, I want to say that as you, if you really mean this prayer, that this will be the greatest decision you have ever made and it will radically and totally change your life. So pray with me. God, thank you for bringing me here this morning because you love me and want me to experience your purpose for my life. Today I choose to let go of my rags. I confess that I am a sinner and have lived my life apart from you. I believe you sent Yeshua to die for my sins, I accept him and your purpose for my life. I will live my life with you at the center and make choices on this earth that have eternal value. Thank you again for loving me and wanting the best for me. Amen. Amen. Again, God is good uh, and gracious and loving, and uh, he has good things in store for each one of us. So if you have any questions about anything that you have experienced today in the service, anything on the message, uh, or you prayed that prayer for the first time, uh, or maybe renewing a commitment you had made uh, years previous, please come talk to uh, my husband or myself. Uh, We would love to just encourage you uh, as you go forward uh, in 
the purpose that God created you for. I want to close with the ironic benediction, and then Rabbi Michael and the team will uh, lead us in a song as we prepare to go upstairs uh, to the mezzanine. Uh, it'll be a little while, maybe, as uh, the pizza is being delivered. Uh, but we'll go up and find a place to sit and schmooze and fellowship, and uh, uh, the lunch will be arriving soon. So Adonai said to Moshe, speak to Aaron and his sons and tell them that this is how you are to bless the people of Israel. You are to say to them, Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha may Adonai bless you and keep you. Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'yikunecha may Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. Yisa Adonai panavalecha v'yasim lecha shalom. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you shalom, peace. In this way, you to put my name on the people of Israel so that I will bless them. May you walk in the peace of Adonai this week. Shabbat Shalom. We will see everyone upstairs. Mm-hmm.